Hey guys, how's it going? I'm just sitting here and getting ready for class. Supposed to be my last day. Praying all goes well because I'm tired of getting up early in the morning. That's why I like working in the evening. I can't stand getting up early. Like, a, a picture-perfect day for me is a day well after, like, maybe 10.30. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's a picture. That's that, that, You know what? That's not even a picture-perfect day for me. That's, like, um, at the minimum. At the least, I would like to wake up 10.30 a.m. Or, like, a uh, picture-perfect day for me if I can get up, like, around 12 and start my day. Maybe 1.30. But whatever. Um, you know, I was just sitting here thinking because, um, you know, I got some free time before I actually go in to class. And, I, you know, I put my face mask on, get ready to light some candles. I might even get in the tub before I go. I do that a lot too, just to unwind, especially if I know I'm going to have a stress-filled and anxiety-written day. I try to like unwind first, drink some coffee before I go, and then once I get there, you know, get me like a cherry Coke or something to really, you know, rev myself up to have the energy. But I was just thinking like, back when I was deep in depression, this wasn't, this, this couldn't have happened. Like, planning my day, doing nice things for myself. Something as small as putting on a face mask. And it just made me think about the times when I had gone through a deep stupor of depression, came out of it, and how the world around me was different. How people responded to me was different. So we're going to call this post-depression realities. So for those of us that deal with chronic depression, you guys know what I'm talking about. But if you don't know, let me break it down. So let's say you have like maybe a three stint month of depression, right? You let yourself go. You're not doing your hair. People that are really depressed, y'all know we do not take baths, especially if we don't have to go nowhere. We're not saying we're dirty, okay? We don't leave the house and hug you and we ain't got deodorant on. That's what we're talking about. We are in the house. We are retreating. We are hibernating. And we are just in the house as is. What you see is what you get. You popped up. If we allow you in, the place might even be a mess, okay? Like, it just, it just is just where we're at with it, right? And it's like, once we come out of that, like, slowly but surely, we start picking back up on the things that we love, our parents, um... We start playing our music again. We start watching our shows. Things start to become enjoyable. Whether this is medication induced or this is just you naturally given God given strength and energy to resume your normal life, you are back, right? But even though even though you're back, the people around you haven't quite processed that you're here again. Like you're actually present mentally, physically, and emotionally. They haven't processed. The, you know, because we, you know, being depressed, right, we are very indecisive, okay? That's just how we are. So, you know, I'm not about to apologize for the fact that we are suffering from an illness. And some days we might be able to give you 100. On other days we might give you 65. We're trying, okay? I feel like, like, even down to, like, my podcast, like, people expect for me to get on here and give you guys, uh, what's that? Barbara Walters. I ain't Barbara Walters. I'm Jasmine Henson. I can't give you Barbara Walters. If you're looking for perfection and if you're looking for somebody that's fake is going to get on here and tell you anything just for the sake of um putting something out, like I always say, 
just stop listening because I can't give you that. I can only give you who I truly am, and this is me. Whatever consensus you form, I say take that, sleep with that, live with that, run with that. But they expect you to be picture perfect when you're back. They don't give us a grieving period. They don't understand what we battle. They think we're just sad. Oh, how I wish those stints of depression were just days of sadness. Depression is longer. I apologize, guys. I don't know who is even calling me. 11.05 in the morning? I don't have a social life. Who could be calling me right now? Anyways, but depression is a longer stint. Whereas sadness, I mean, sadness comes and goes. You can deal with that. It's, it's quicker to remedy, remedy sadness. So, um, for me... Like, when I start feeling good about myself again, you'll know it. You'll see it. You'll feel it. But people will respond to you like, are you okay? And you'll be like, mm, I'm managing, but I'm, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm right here right now. I'm trying. And I think of a time when I used to love doing hair, right? I got really good at it. I'm talking about I was like 13 years old. I'm sorry, younger than that. I started doing hair very well at nine because I had to do my siblings hair. By the time I was 13, oh, I was I was doing making money like like a little piece of change, you know, for a 13 year old doing hair. And I remember it's something about when I hit 14. No, it's not something. I know what it was. It was depression. Once depression really set in, I started picking up. Wanting to do hair, putting it down. Picking it up, putting it down. By the time I was like 15 and a half, my hair, because I had actually, I struggled as a child with my hair. Not because um, it was in its natural state. I've always had perms. But because my mom didn't know how to do hair. So I had to teach myself. So that was like around nine. So once I started to learn how to do hair, I went from my hair going to my ears to to my shoulders. I, I grew my own hair. And I was doing it very well. Like, I was really taking care of my hair. Not only just taking care of my hair, but, shoot, I was I was super young doing face masks, ponds cream. Self-care was a must. Like, sometimes self-care for me looked like all day long, with, you know, after doing my homework, listening to R&B. You know, I love R&B music. I love music so much. Like many of us do. There's nothing special about that. But, <laughs> well, it is. Because I love music that much. It is special. It's a big deal. But um, once I started being depressed, my hair had gone back to its original state. And I forgot how to maintain it. Because, first of all, I've never seen my hair in its natural state. That's how much I've used perms. Relaxers. So, I was like... One day, because I was wearing, I started wearing wigs too. I started wearing wigs like around 14 and a half, 15 years old. So, by me wearing wigs so much and, you know, my hair going back to its natural state, I, I didn't, I had become unfamiliar with my current hair state. I was like, I don't remember, I never seen my hair like this. I said, no big deal. I know how to do hair. I know what to do. So, I tried to flat iron it one day and it wouldn't lay. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to perm it. I've been doing that any darn ways. I'm going to perm it. It had been so long since I relaxed my hair. You know how you're supposed to let the relaxer sit so it can actually straighten your hair? I think I put that perm in for like less than 10 minutes. And when I wash it out and I flat on my hair, my hair looks so short. 
and my hair has always been thick. I was like, what the heck? I was like, what's going on with my hair? I had, it just, just, I, I got so overwhelmed and frustrated because I was like, oh my God, this is as a result of me not maintaining my hair, maintaining myself because of damn depression. And I didn't want to admit that. So I said, you know what? Forget this damn stuff. I went, uh, washed the crap out, went on here and pressed my hair so my edges would be right. So it wouldn't be all, you know, puffy because obviously my hair is back to its natural state. And I don't understand how to blend that with my hair. So I'm like, let me go ahead and just goddamn put in a ponytail, put a cap on, and wear a wig. Because right now, you know what? It's best to be this way. Because I don't feel like doing my hair. And once I put my wig back on, I was like, you know what? This is, this is not my hair's fault. It's not my wig's fault. This is me. This is me knowing something's wrong. Not being able to articulate it. Having too much pride to articulate this to someone to try to get authentic help. And me just checking out. So I just checked out from it. Went and found something else to occupy my mind. And it came to me today while I was relaxing. And I was like, you know what? It sounds true to some people. But for those of us that are dealing with depression, especially as females, black females, we know how it gets. Like when we start, when we stop maintaining our bodies, like it really does affect how we overall feel about ourselves. And I was just thinking about how back then, um, you know, I was super skinny. Like I love to eat. I would eat all in one setting, but um, for the most part, I would starve myself. And you know, when I you know came out of depression, I was um, barely eating. I was eating like a normal person, and my weight would go up and down. And like th- that's one. That's another post depression reality. Like the fact that your weight's gonna go up and down. And the public, maybe, you know, by you being depressed, have, you know, not seeing you for a while, assuming that you're on something or maybe you're not on something, but you're overdoing it. You don't know yourself. You don't know your body anymore. So you're, you're having to deal with the reality that your body, you are not the same. You just came out of something hella traumatic. Like you just stayed, you, you reduced yourself to living in a hermit state for so long that now that you have to go out and be a social butterfly, you're like, how do you even do this thing anymore? I know for me now, even though I'm making strides, I'm still working on myself, just having to interact with the public all over again, I'm like, shit, I forgot I have to actually smile and mean it. Or they're going to think I'm fake. <laughs> or I forgot I have to do more than say hello and run upstairs. I have to actually mingle. I forgot how to mingle. These And it sounds so small. Like some people might hear this and go, why it's simple. You just go out right. That's for a person that's naturally revved up for life. A person post-depression just came out of a mental war zone. They're not revved up for life. They are depleted. They don't have it. <laughs> you know, maybe after a cup of coffee, I'll be able to serve you. And on a special day, if I had a Red Bull, I might be able to give you 1,000%. But that's not where I am. Coming out of depression and maybe wanting to take up a project, like a new job, something you like to do, maybe a podcast, book, whatever. When you are somebody that deals with chronic depression and you realize that, you know, you spent so much time on your own and then now that you're getting your energy back, you want to go back in out there and live your life. You realize that everything you do, even if for a moment, it would require you to commit. 
Another post-depression reality is that we have trouble committing to everything and everybody. We don't follow through on our word. We don't call people. We don't check in with people. We don't value people like a healthy person would. We don't want to talk every day. We see you calling five times. We don't care because we're too busy. We care, but we care more about trying to dissect this current state. You don't know where you're at. And the fact that somebody would want to inundate you with their issues, right? And it's not not to shame you one, but... Let me walk you through. You're battling yourself. You don't know where you're at, right? Someone's calling you five, ten times in a row. You don't answer at all. Maybe you're like some people, you don't feel like you need to even follow with a text. And you get hit with, you're selfish. How could you, you see me calling you and you don't want to respond. You know, what is up with you? Um, I don't feel good. Well, we could talk about it. This illness, first of all, it's not a cold. Okay, this is mental. So just the fact that we would possibly be talking about me for like 20 seconds and that we have to go into you and I have to be um, overwhelmed with your stuff and now I'm trying to weed out yours and mine. I want to be alone. We realize that we're not able to commit and fulfill the roles of a healthy-minded person. And it's hard. We... When we, when we come back, you know, like, like, like a binge almost. When we come back and we have to show up in the world and we're, bis- we're, we're, we're winging it. We don't have it all together. We feel out of place. And then people put these unrealistic expectations on us, you know, thinking that we would purposely duck off or we would deliberately, you know, um... Be so alone and be in our own world. It's because we're trying to sort out what the world, what does the world mean for us now? What is, what is my purpose? If this purpose, it obviously isn't ringing in my ear enough to help me get out of whatever little mess, mental, mental fog that I'm in right now. Where do I go? What do I do? What do I say? I don't know. Some of these realities post-depression are enough to send us back. They're enough to make us question everything and everybody. It's enough to make us question who we are. And if we can't figure out what we're here to do, it could attribute to more depression. And I'm saying this as a mental health advocate that works in a mental health facility. I'm saying this as somebody that went to school for mental health. I know what I'm talking about. And more importantly, forget all that. I'm saying it as somebody who's battled mental health for 20 years. I think I can talk. I think I can weigh in on it. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I know I can. I've seen it in my loved ones. I know what I'm talking about. It is crazy. And I think we need to also, we always talk about taking the stigma off mental health. No. Also, let's hold these people in our corners accountable. You're not Beyonce. You're not Oprah. If a person needs time to themselves to retreat, and in that short time, right, you think they have an issue or a grievance with you, and you start beefing, you're going to start being held accountable. This person, people in general, should be allowed that time. Like, I know me, it is imperative that I go and retreat. I need to think. And 
you a fool if you think I'm about to tell you every little transcript that goes on in my head to appease you and to make you feel like you hold a space in my life. I'm not I'm unwilling to accommodate you in that regard. I can't do that. I'm trying to keep my own self above what like I have children. Like I shouldn't have to run down a laundry list of why I need to self medicate. I need to practice self care. What's going on, people? Why are we Another uh, post-depression reality, we have to tell the public, you know, sorry, I was practicing self-care. Oh, you're painting your nails? You're going to call me while you did that? Painting my nails? I'm going to mess YouTube up. I'm going to let YouTube behind out. YouTube got y'all thinking self-care is painting your nails and putting on a face mask. It's deeper. It's allowing yourself, being brave enough to sit still, be quiet, and hearing your inner demons. Oh, I don't hang with inner demons. I do hang with my inner demons. I don't care what you do with your inner demons. They all around. All I'm saying is you need to figure out what are these things that are trying to keep you bound and trapped. I know for me, if we wanted to speak candidly, um, I started a new job. I told you I love this new job. I enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with it. But one of the things I've seen show up at um, every job I've ever had, and I'm a job hopper, by the way. Well, past job hopper. One of the things that I've seen, like, basically show up a lot is my inability to accept criticism. Now, before people, you know, rejoice at the obvious, <laughs> before people rejoice, let me explain. It's not that I can't accept criticism. I realize that. It's not that I can't accept it. I've always had an issue discerning the source. I, I don't know if the source of these critiques... I don't know if they're genuine. I don't know if they're being authentic. Do they really mean me well? Is this hate filled? Is this filled with, is, is this a jealous filled rage? Are they using this in the guise of wanting me to be better? What, what's up? And I think because I've struggled so much in the past with discerning that having a grievance by default for um, authority figures, it's definitely crippled me. In many ways. So, I like to see the God and everything. I like to see the good and everything, the positive and everything. And I would like to exercise that at this new job. My, you know, learning how to practice humility and basically seeing, hmm, like, let me listen to what's being told. Let me think before I respond. Let me see if this is truly room for me to grow and be better. Or, or, because I've had this happen as well, have you ever been offered criticism, but when you agree to possibly make the modification, you're, you're also not allowed room for redemption. Now, that's the shit I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. When you make a space for y'all to even have this hard conversation, you're like, you know what? I can make that right. And they don't. Oh, well, I, it's too late now. Too late? What the heck? It's never too late. You still here? I'm still here. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's when I start to lose it. Because it reminds me of coming from a dysfunctional family. Dealing with how y'all that are black, that are listening to me, y'all know how the black elders in the family do. You can say, Grandma, 2 plus 2 ain't 6, it's 4. It's been proven. Here go the math book. Now, here they go smacking your glasses off and smacking the math book in the floor. And it's right there. You're like, Grandma, I was just trying to show you, like, what you, that wasn't right. Well, 
that's 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 crazy talk but whoa like we need to now have a reciprocal conversation where you're breaking down for me where I went wrong please and, and let's say I was wrong let's say I got the equation wrong right can we have an equal playing field of respect of respectable conversation where you break down for me where we went wrong how we can make it right how we're both going to vow to not fixate on the error so we can move on and transcend let's move on that's been my whole thing and i think um we can end that on that like that's that's also a post depression reality you've made errors in the midst of your depression maybe you've made some triumphs either way there's still room for redemption you can come back yes i understand there's going to be a transition because you are mentally ill so let's be clear like there's times when in you know in the middle of your depression before afterwards we probably have irrational states i know i do and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take the negative connotation off of that just because, you know, sometimes we can be seemingly irrational doesn't mean that we are crazy or out of whack or, or not normal. Kill what normalcy is. I think, you know what I think? We're responding like anybody would that had endured trauma. Like my therapist said last week. If something, what did he say? He said, if you were in a cage with a tiger, he said, you have anxiety, right? He said, because something could possibly kill you. He said, now the issue would come in if you were in the cage with the tiger, right? And you didn't have anxiety. You didn't have any um, feelings of fear or worry or concern. That's the issue. And that's what I think. People don't understand that. We retreat the way that we do because we're trying to heal what we can't see. We know that there's not a killer in our house. We know that um, there's not immediate danger. But you can't prove to us that it doesn't still hurt. You can't show us that you, you, wanna, you want so bad to tell us and that Southeast D.C. sirens. But um, you can't tell us that we don't feel that pain. Like, if, if you, like, I know last night, you know, you probably were laughing, but I told you guys I got hit in the head with this thing from my shelf. I mean, I'm feeling better today, but if I'm holding my head to indicate to you that I'm in pain and you tell me, oh, it doesn't hurt that bad, um, are you sitting in it? Are you in my body? Like, I feel this stuff in real life. Like, so what I'm saying to you is this pain... This this feeling of emptiness and this 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 longing. If you if you were ever curious as to what depression felt like, I think I have the answer for you. Kill Wikipedia. I I think I have the answer for you. It through this journey, I used to um tell myself I was depressed and and not be sure because I'm like, well, this is this I can still function, right? So this can't be depression because I'm functioning. Let me tell you what depression is. It's an ongoing journey 
of trying to make peace with things you can't see that ail you, that pain you, that, that has stricken you. It's crippling you. It immobilizes you. You're trying to go about your life. A lot of people that are depressed are super talented. They work really hard, which is why it kills me that their loved ones can't see when they're really down, right? Because we have high-functioning depressed people. Sometimes this thing is so real, it can put down a super successful person, a high-functioning person, a multitasker, a person that we would call an octopus. It can put that type of person down. It's an ongoing longing for something, wanting to know, trying to piece together several things that have happened and make sense of it so they can go on but they don't they can't because some of these afflictions are coming from family some of these afflictions are coming from close loved ones some of these afflictions are before they were even born lack of nurture and lack of care things that we take for granted on an everyday basis they're stemming from that but our elders our conditioned way of thinking all that combined, they're trying to tell us that it, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth going back and checking these things out. It's not worth going to therapy and having them tell you the obvious. Yes, you were hurt, but come on, come on, move on. But not all of the hurt that you guys deem as hurt is being dissected for us so we can have an actual clear blueprint on how to move on. You can't tell me to get over... Um, being physically abused and I've never seen you get physically abused only for you to tell me after I told you and you're like oh well I worked through that but I moved on how well all I see is you enraged all I see is you you know you know whatever the case may be but you get what I'm trying to say and if you don't get it I'm, I'm so sorry because <laughs> I'm trying my best here but there are post-depression realities there are post-depression Things that we have to cope with that went on during depression before and after. And we have to take that and try to combine it with where we are at the moment. And continue to do what we always try to do and that's maintain. Every time we come out of depression, it's almost like, it's like dang, I really got through that. I didn't die. I didn't die. Like that pain did not take me out of here. I'm, 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 I can move on. This is the thing, like, this is real. Like, you know, the true mental health advocates are not just trying to capitalize this off of sport. It's a thing. Depression feels like somebody, shoot, to, for better words, it feels like a demon came and sat on your shoulders and said, now try to move. That's what it feels like. It, 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 and it has you. He, matter of fact, it feels like a demon took his hand and put it on your shoulder and sat you down and said, Try to move on through this trauma, this pain. It knows your pain. It knows what you've gone through. So it's reminding you, like, move now. I'm, I, no, move, sit in that. Don't even, you don't have the tools, so that's why I'm able to sit you here, because you don't have the tools. The tools are expression, guys. Talk about it. Make other people uncomfortable. Make them uncomfortable. Since they want to tell you you're making things up and it's in your head, make them uncomfortable with your reality. So now when they talk to you, they can talk to you nice. They can talk to you like they got some daggone sense now. Or my favorite, they can just avoid it altogether and watch how they come at you, period. That's what I like. When a person asks me, you know, if, if I say I'm in pain or I'm struggling, and they go, for what? You're, you're fine. And I say, oh, how can I cope past being abused? And they go, well, you know, 
I've, I've gone through that. So I just, that's what I know. You haven't even faced it. And here you are diminishing the pain that you thought initially was just me blowing smoke up your behind. <clears throat> now you're trying to tell me, excuse me, it's whatever. And now that I'm telling you what's wrong, where it's hitting me at, doc, since you think you're a doctor, since you're psychoanalyzing me, what can I do now? And they offer you no tools or resources. Tell them what it is so now they can, they can talk back to you on an equal playing field. And you're like, well, I've been struggling. And I've been going through these things. And I'm making strides and I'm doing the best I can. How about you? What's up with you? I'm, I, find, I, I found that after depression, it's been a lot of work <laughs> to still maintain my dignity, my self-respect. Um, being a human, just practically being existent, I find that it's been a lot of work and it's weeded out those that are for me. And it's also weeded at who people who were never for me. And it was, it was, it was hard to come to grips because nobody wants to be alone. But if it means maintaining a healthy mental space, I'll sacrifice just about anybody. Let me know what you think. What have you found post-depression? I would love to hear um, some of your notes, your thoughts. It, 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 would, it would mean a lot. Let me know what you think.